Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivaglani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm privileged to be joined by Dr. Anand Agarwal, who's the founder and CEO of edX and a professor of electrical engineering and computer science at MIT. If you haven't heard of it already, edX is a major online learning provider founded by Harvard and MIT, and it offers more than 2,500 online courses from 140 top institutions. Since it started in 2012, it served over 30 million learners. Anand is also the founder of several successful technology companies, and he's considered to be a pioneer in computer architecture. So thank you so much, Anand, for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Chef. And so I wanted to start just with your background. Um, you know, you have a very impressive resume, and I'm just curious in your own words, how did a background in computer architecture lead to starting uh, edX? You never know where life leads you. Uh, you take it one step at a time, and sometimes uh, you step into uh, an online learning venture. I grew up in India. I went to IIT Madras as an undergraduate. And I still remember there in my first physics exam on campus, I was one of two students in the whole uh, class that year that failed that exam. And so I thought my life was over. Um, and part of my challenge was uh, I simply didn't have the background in calculus-based physics, and uh, it was quite unreal for me. Uh, I came from a small town where the level or the rigor of education wasn't the same as in the big cities. Uh, and since then, I've always been thinking about, you know, how do we make education more democratized? Education is a human right. I went to Stanford, got my PhD. I've been a professor at MIT for 32 years. And about uh, nine years ago, technology had been completely changing so many fields, and uh, cloud computing, video distribution at scale, social networking, uh, gamification, it all come together and we saw the perfect storm uh, for education. And uh, my colleagues and I from MIT and Harvard felt that we could apply to education and do something truly, truly big for education. And that's when we launched edX in a partnership with uh, Harvard and MIT to apply these technologies to learning and create a nonprofit platform edX that will enable anybody anywhere with the will to learn uh, to come into edX and, uh, and learn. And that's what we set out to do. And today we have 150 of the world's top institutions as partners like MIT and Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, Berkeley, um, IIT Bombay, IIM Bangalore and others from all over the world. And uh, the learners taking these courses from every single country. So you started edX nine years ago, and I'm just curious, how has the organization changed over those times? If you go to 2020, so ignore COVID because we'll be asking about COVID in a bit, but up until 2020, how the organization changed over those nine years? So you know, there was a lot of hype for online learning and MOOCs. Um, we were one of the pioneers of MOOCs, and uh, as a founder of edX and uh, a leader in the MOOC space, now, there was a lot of hype in those days and uh, a lot of people coming to edX to learn and so on. The hype died down about five or six years ago, but we hunkered down and have been focused on innovation and rigor in learning. And so learners continue to come to edX. In fact, more learners have been coming to edX every single year. And so our growth has been phenomenal. Uh, today, we've grown to 30 million learners. From our evolution standpoint, we started with single courses in 2012. And from there, we innovated and evolved through stackable programs where each program had multiple courses. So we launched a number of radical new credentials like micromasters and microbachelors and professional certificates where learners can not only upskill themselves and advance their careers, 
but also create credit pathways into universities. So for example, we have a MicroMasters program from uh, Columbia University in AI. And if you complete that, you get a MicroMasters. It's about $1,000. It's uh, free to learn, open admissions. And if you pass it and get the credential and you get admitted into Columbia University, it will count towards your master's degree at Columbia University in computer science. So one big set of innovations were in credentialing, stackability, modular programs. A second set of innovations and changes have been in the platform itself in terms of the rigor and the kinds of courses we've been able to offer. We built a credit grade platform where we not only have courses today, but we have full online degrees on our platform today. We have 15 fully online degrees, including a very disruptively priced computer science degree from UT Austin for about $10,000, an MBA from Boston University for $24,000. So very, very radical programs on a credit grade platform. So we've come a long way and uh, learners and enrollments of edX have continued, even though the hype uh, went away somewhere along the way. That's incredible. Congratulations on all, all of that success. Uh, I actually didn't realize that the master's was only $10,000 at UT Austin, so quite affordable. So now we're in a COVID world, and there's been a lot of talk about, um, obviously, campuses are being closed, left, right, and center. Millions of people, hundreds of millions of students are out of, uh, out of school. I'm curious how the last few months has affected demand for edX, both from students as well as from universities. You know, these are difficult times, and certainly uh, I have never seen anything like this in my entire life. In the past, in the Boston area, we would have a snowstorm and maybe schools would close for a day. But today, uh, we went from 3% of the people in the world learning online or and very few working remotely. 100% of the world is now learning online at universities and colleges and schools. And 100% of us are all working remotely. As you can see, I'm in my study in my house. And so uh, the whole world changed completely. And these are crazy times. Um, a lot of people are coming to edX at this time in huge numbers uh, because they're looking to learn something new. Now, many of them are furloughed or unemployed, and they're coming to edX to upskill and improve the chances of employability after COVID-19. The traffic on edX has absolutely skyrocketed in the past six weeks. So, for example, uh, comparing a week in the middle of April uh, to a week in early March, just six weeks apart, the number of new registrations on edX has gone up 15 times. Enrollments in courses has gone up tenfold. And so, uh, you know, popularity of courses, whether it's computer science or data science or public health, healthcare have all shot up. Healthcare has been the most popular. Uh, for healthcare, you will see 600 courses of programs show up. So the healthcare category has completely skyrocketed and the enrollments have been the highest in that category. Um, other categories like computer science and data science have been ever popular. And even those are seeing factors of six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 in terms of growth in those, uh, in those categories. Our course on happiness, um, the science of happiness from Berkeley, that course has seen an exponential rise during these times as people are looking for ways that they can be happy in these times. And that course talks about there are techniques in terms of how you can be happy and you can train yourself to be happy. And so, uh, you know, it, it is pretty amazing to see how that course has skyrocketed during these times. Wow, that's incredible. And so speak, speaking of healthcare, that was actually what I wanted to talk about next was uh, how edX quickly partnered with, I think, Massachusetts General Hospital, and you all released a free ventilator course so that people who aren't necessarily 
knowledgeable about working in an intensive care unit could be in a position to support these critical care specialists. So can you talk a bit about that course, how it came together and uh, the response you've had since you released it? Sure. You know, more broadly on edX, healthcare, data science, computer science, nutrition have all been very popular. But among our degrees, we even have a, uh, a master's degree in nutrition from UT Austin. And so it was quite natural for us to be thinking about courses that could help uh, in the COVID response. So we partnered with Harvard and we also uh, partnered with uh, Schmidt Futures. Um, this is the foundation of uh, Eric and uh, Wendy Schmidt to create a course on how to use ventilators. Uh, this was in collaboration also with Mass General Hospital and uh, Dr. Susan Wilcox, who heads up the ICU division at Mass General. Also, Dr. Thomas Perleno from Toronto was part of the course. And this was a collaboration and creating a course on how to use ventilators. We've all heard that ventilators themselves are in short supply. But then what was equally in short supply was people who knew how to use ventilators. And many healthcare professionals were, be, were being pulled into using ventilators. And so training them was important. So we launched this course uh, about uh, four weeks ago, and uh, within about two weeks of launch, uh, the course had nearly 200,000 people from all over the world taking that course. Uh, there's an OBGYN from Colombia, the country of Colombia, a healthcare worker, the uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, a nurse from uh, New York, a surgeon from Chennai, and all of them are learning how to use ventilators. And it's a completely free course. And the Harvard Medical School also offers CME, continuing medical education credits for people who complete that course. The course on edX, as all courses do, have a community as well. There's a discussion forum. And uh, it was just absolutely spectacular to go and listen to how the people are communicating with each other. It's amazing to see a nurse from India uh, communicating and chatting with a nurse from New York. So it's amazing to see that this has not only become a resource, but also become a worldwide community as healthcare professionals around the world are using this course to create this community and discuss what is going on around the world in healthcare related to COVID-19. That's incredible. And, and, and really kudos to you and the entire team for how quickly you, you all got that course together and launched and in the hands of all those people around the world, as you mentioned. At Osmosis, we also talk about the concept of uh, raising the line, and that's the name of this interview series. Uh, what we mean by that is how do we increase healthcare capacity? And some of that obviously is, as you mentioned, providing hospitals and healthcare systems with the PPE and ventilators, but then also providing the workforce necessary to operate those ventilators as, as you all have done at edX, but also your nutritionists with their masters in nutrition, as you were talking about. I'm just curious um, in that, in that framework of raising the line, what other things do you think edX will be pursuing because of COVID within the healthcare education space? Are you planning to double down on it or uh, is it too early to tell? Well, we've done quite a bit in the, uh, in the healthcare space and particularly as related to uh, COVID-19. You know, at the broadest level, we were hearing from a lot of students around the world and uh, other professionals that, hey, look, we actually don't know how to learn online. All of our learning has been in person. We have no idea how to learn online. And so uh, I'll use this phrase war footing a lot. So on a war footing in the space of two weeks, my colleagues at edX launched a course on how to learn online. So you go and Google how to learn online and edX and you'll come to this course. It's an absolutely free course. And uh, in about uh, two to five hours, uh, you can go in and uh, connect with learners all over the world who are learning how to learn online. We also launched courses more broadly on how to teach online. Uh, we launched a course from Arizona State University on how to pivot to online teaching and, and another one from UT Arlington in Texas. And so I think these kinds of courses are broad courses, very important for teachers and uh, students themselves. 
We're also launching a lot of courses directly connected to COVID. So for example, uh, we have a course from the Hong Kong University on epidemics and they have special sections on COVID-19. We also have courses from uh, the Chan School of Public Health at Harvard from world experts like uh, Ashish Jha and others you know, who are leaders in uh, epidemiology and, and statistics and, and pandemics. And uh, Ashish Jha is a course on uh, pandemics on, uh, on edX. And many of these courses existed before COVID-19. And frankly, I wish many of the leaders around the world and many of us around the world had taken these courses uh, before COVID had hit. So our courses on pandemics, on epidemics, on uh, public health, on uh, coronavirus, a lot, a lot of courses in many languages. Our university partners at uh, Haveriana University launched, uh, created content around uh, Spanish content on ventilators and uh, COVID-19 as well. So we're trying to do this in many languages at the same time. That's wonderful. That's really great to hear. And um, I'm curious, like, you know, some people are saying that some things will return back to normal and other things will be step functions and the reality has always changed. You mentioned the stat of before COVID, 3% of people, students were learning online. Now it's 100% because we've been forced to do that. Where do you think that's going to settle, say, a year from now, five years from now? Where do you think, you know, it'll go for students, but also for universities? What are some lasting changes? Um, I think the new normal is blended, blended learning. I don't think things will settle back to where they were. Uh, during this time, as students are learning online, as instructors and school teachers and, and college professors are all teaching online, they've all had a crash immersion in online learning. And uh, as they've tried it, uh, you know, you'll find a distribution of people that love it, to people that are okay with it, to people that don't like it. But still, it's a heck of a lot more than 3%. So a lot of people have become familiar with it. And, uh, you know, I, I remember one instructor that uh, I heard mention that the most engaging course that they have taught was their first online course. And the reason was that when they taught the online course, uh, students were very comfortable asking questions and engaging with, with each other. And they would laugh at the jokes with smiley faces and things like that. And everybody was very comfortable engaging and, and typing in questions and things like that, which, which you may actually not see in a classroom because... Uh, students are shy to ask a question. And so students and professors are finding many of the advantages of online learning. Now, in-person learning is also very important and has great advantages, and we're all missing that too. But I think that the new normal will settle down uh, not at 0% online and 100% uh, in-person, but I think it will start at maybe 10 or 20% online uh, on campuses and colleges around the world in, say, spring of 2021 and then gradually increase. And I predict that by 2023, 2024, as colleges create more and more online content and within a few years, I believe it will be blended where the in-person and online learning will be say 50, 50, 40, 60, 60, 40, somewhere there. I believe that is gonna be the steady state for the future. Wow. Um, I, I have one last question because I know we're running up in time, but uh, given that you started at X as a faculty member uh, at MIT, and uh, fast forward nine years, and now there's 150 institutions, 2,500 courses with multiple faculty members each. Uh, so you've helped thousands of faculty members become online teachers as well. What advice would you give to someone totally new to online teaching who wants to become a, a you know, wants to put their content online? What's like one or two core messages you'd like to give them? So my message for instructors, whether you're a school teacher or a college professor or a you know medical school professor and uh, you're interested in uh, 
putting your content online, teaching online, uh, there are a couple of messages. Um, one is, try it. There are many advantages to it, and uh, you will like the advantages, and your students will really love the advantages. Uh, the second is that you will discover many benefits of online learning, among other things. You know, as a teacher myself for 32 years, uh, just imagine, uh, oftentimes I've been giving lectures and lecturing uh, on similar content year after year after year after year. And creating videos of those lectures are not just good for me, so I can focus my time with the students on engaging things like interacting with them and so on, and to let them watch my videos so I don't have to prepare for lectures to give the same lecture every time, but can focus on creating new content or interacting with students. And we're also finding that students often rate the online courses with a where they can pause the, the videos, where they can rewind them and as many times as they want, where they can fast forward them. Um, this would be encouraging and appealing for learners as well. So I would strongly urge you to try it out and uh, give it a shot. Well, that's great. On behalf of our audience of two and a half million learners in the health professions, I'd like to really thank you and the entire edX team for all that you're doing and for taking the time to be with us on Raise the Line today, Anand. Oh, thank you very much, Shiv. It was a real pleasure uh, chatting with you. And uh, I hope uh, you all out there stay well and stay safe during these times. Thank you. I'm Shiv Rivlani, and thank you for listening to today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line because we're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.